Hi, this is Austin Anderson. I'm the lead pastor of Tekoa Church. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Tekoa Church exists to see people connect to God, to find and live out their purpose. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and draws you closer to God. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, That is the word of faith that we proclaim because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. They have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Romans 10. Good morning, everybody. My name is Austin. I'm the lead pastor here at Tekoa Church, and I want to say welcome today. I'm glad you're with us as we're getting ready for... Christmas. That's what Advent is. It's a preparation and an excitement awaiting for the light that is going to be coming in Jesus. That's what we celebrate with the candles here. It's all right. Even if the lights go out, we got candles, so we'll be okay. Um, We'll share. Um, And um, the light symbolizes that. It symbolizes the light coming of Jesus. And Christmas is often a time filled with traditions. And one of those that our family has done recently um, is the Advent wreath and candles. And we're sharing that this year with our church family as well. Christmas is a time that brings a lot of memories for many of us. And maybe you remember the smells of Christmas or the taste of the food, the joy of presents and of family. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's the emptiness of some of those things or the loss of somebody that is no longer here. Um, Maybe you didn't grow up with Christmas and you're new to the United States and Christmas is what you saw from Hollywood and that's what you expect. Maybe we brought a little bit of that in here today with the trees and the the uh, wreaths and everything else for Christmas. Maybe you don't know what to do for Christmas. Do you make a turkey, a ham, a duck, a turducken, or I don't know, what do you do for Christmas? Um, You can do whatever you want, but today we're looking at the second traditional Advent candle, and the candles and the flames represent, as I said, the light that was brought into the world with the coming of Jesus. And um, Today, as we look at the second candle, it's the candle of faith. 
And it says this, In him Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There are four candles representing some of the gifts which Jesus brought or gave to all of us with his coming. And we celebrate those four. And then finally, on Christmas, Christmas Eve, we light the fifth white candle to celebrate the coming of Jesus. That's what we celebrate with Christmas. Today we're looking at faith. Last week, Pastor Lawrence started us off by looking at hope. Um, and these two are related. Matter of fact, the writers of Hebrews says this. Says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Faith is why we're here as a church, right? We say that we have faith. We ask somebody maybe that we meet, what faith are you? You might respond, if this is you, you might say, oh, I'm a Christian. Faith is how we describe a person's religious beliefs. Faith, though, is deeper than hope. While they're related, faith is deeper. Faith is a more solid hope. It's a foundation, and it changes us. The same church tradition that gave us the Advent wreath traces its roots back to Martin Luther, and he emphasized something in the church. What he emphasized was that faith alone was what was needed to come into relationship with God. And I'm thankful for his teaching, his influence on the church, because we don't need to work for our faith. Just our faith alone is what is needed. That's what we're going to talk about today, that we can come to God and by faith in him and trust in him alone, we can restore our relationship with him. That same book of Romans that was tied to what we read in the video today was, um, says this, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Faith alone is needed for our salvation. This is, there's a difference of faith and hope. You might say with hope that you save and save and save and hope that you can get things better for your family or yourself in the future. You might move to America with a hope for a better future, but it's a hope. It's a belief that things can get better, but they may or may not. And I'm hoping that they will be your trying for that. Faith is different. Faith is a guarantee that it's going to be good. It's a guarantee of the future, a trust in something that you still can't see, but that you know for a fact that it's going to come. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Before we head into our passage today, um, I want to share a story. I left them in the back, um, but I, um, about a year ago, got a pair of Bluetooth earphones. It was like the pandemic and I was like I need to be working and I'm on the phone a lot more and people need to hear me and so I got a pair of these headphones and they're pretty expensive but I thought you know what I also like to listen to music when I'm exercising when I'm running so I'm going to get some good ones that I can like if I sweat a little bit when I'm working out or whatever like they're protected so they're like semi-waterproof. They claim that they were like fully waterproof like you can't go swimming but other than that they're pretty good. And I was like all right I, this this should be good. I'm going to be a little safer with these. So I got these and then um, a month or two later I'm 
in the morning, I'm sitting on the couch reading my Bible, actually. Like, this was what I was actually doing. I'm not sharing the story just because I'm a pastor. Um, and I was sitting there. I was reading the Bible. I had my cup of coffee. And I don't even know. I couldn't recreate this if I tried. One of them fell out into my cup of coffee. Um, and my first thought was, like, get it out. And then I was like, well, they're supposed to be waterproof. I don't know if they're coffee-proof, but hopefully they are. I mean, it's already submerged. Like, I'm going to go wash it off so it's not full of coffee, and we'll just hope for the best. And I hoped for the best, and it was fine. It worked just fine. It was waterproof and coffee-proof. And life went on, and I was like, these headphones are pretty great. And so then life went on, and then it came to this week. And I'm a pretty organized, responsible person, but this week I started looking for those headphones. I couldn't find them. I knew last week, last Sunday after service, I went home and I was using them for a little bit. And then I, I don't know what happened to them. So I went through the house twice. I couldn't find them. And I'm like, I know I had them. And I was like, but I, I washed that pair of pants. Did I wash the headphones? I really hope not. But they're nowhere else to find them. And sure enough, in the dryer, they went through the washer and the dryer, are this pair of headphones. And I'm praying, I'm hoping, well, it said they were waterproof for like 30 minutes. The washer's like an hour. I don't, and it's pretty strong in there. Like, I don't know if they're going to be okay, but I'm hoping they're going to be okay. And I turned them on and they worked. (laughs) And I was like, wow, my hope turned out good. And I tell you what, the next time, hopefully nothing happens. But the next time something happens with water and those headphones— I have a little bit of a strong faith that it's not a hope anymore. There's based on something that has happened in the past twice now that I'm going to turn them on, not with a hope that they'll work, but I'm going to turn them on expecting that they're going to work. And that's the difference with faith and hope for us. Hope is we're, we're believing we want it to work out, but we're not sure. Faith says I'm expecting the best. I'm expecting it to go well because I know from my past that it's gone well. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about faith, and it changes our realities. Faith impacts our world. It impacts how we live because of what has happened. And we're going to look at Romans 10 that um, I actually read today on the video. You probably could tell. Um, And it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible sections. And I love it because it boils our faith down to the essentials. When I talk to somebody that is exploring faith and they're wondering what does it mean to be a Christian, I literally pick up my phone these days and open the Bible to this section and I don't need to remember anything. I can just read these verses and it boils down what our faith is. And this is where I'm going today. Faith equals confess plus believe plus share. That's the basis of my message today. And faith is made up of, it's more than this, but these are the basic components of faith. Believe, confess, and share. Much of the New Testament is written about faith. Romans, Hebrews, James, three of the huge New Testament authors um, wrote about, to their churches, sorry, about faith. Huge sections of those books are about faith. But today we're looking at Romans 10. As I was praying what to share for our church, this is what I felt like we needed to share. And Romans was written by Paul to the Roman church. And Paul, a Jew, is incredibly concerned for his nation, his people, the Jewish people. And his concern is the same that we should have for the people that are around us. It's a passage that only uses the word faith twice But as I prayed, I felt like this is what 
faith, this is what we need to focus in on faith for our church this Advent season. season. That faith is valuable to us and we have a responsibility to share it with others. It starts out, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. This is the driving force of our passage today, that desire of Paul for everyone to be saved. And this should be our driving force as well, that everyone would come to be saved. That is, saved for an eternal destiny in heaven, yes. But more than that, they're saved from a broken relationship with God. We all have a broken relationship with Him. Earlier in Romans, Paul said, all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. We have all broken our relationship with God. And Paul is desiring as many as possible to have restored relationships with him. Why? Because Paul was in that situation once with that broken relationship with God. Matter of fact, he thought he had a good relationship, but his relationship got so twisted that he started personally murdering in a genocide of Christians. But God saved him from that. And what he said was, if God can save me from that, he can save anybody. And I know how broken and bad my life was and how great it is now with a restored relationship with God. And I'm praying the same. I want the same for everybody else around me. If you're here today and your relationship with God is broken, I have good news for you today. By faith, that can be restored. If you are a part of our church family and you have a relationship with God already, we as a church are to have the same heart as Paul, a desire for others around us to be saved, to experience what we've experienced, to have a Christmas season that is filled with hope and joy and faith and expectation. And this is the season, right? This Christmas season is about Jesus. And so many of those in our lives don't know him and the good news that he brings. Why his birth was the most important thing in history even for us today. So let's jump down to verse 6. It says, but the righteousness based on faith says. Righteousness here is a fancy word for right standing before God. That's how I like to think of righteousness and just take the first part of that word. Right standing before God. See, the, the relationship with him was broken. But Paul says that this righteousness is possible by faith. He says that faith is a gift. He says in Romans 3.24, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now that's appropriate, right? We like to give gifts in this Christmas season. That our faith is a gift. Our right standing before God is a gift. It's not anything we have done, right? What is a gift? It's not based on something we do. It's based on the giver and their relationship with us. Now, this kind of gift is not like most of the gifts we give and get today. Because I don't know about you, but we often feel, right, like we have to give equal gifts. Like we know somebody's going to give us a gift we hate the one that's not expected that we said, why would you give me a gift? I, I wasn't going to get you one, now I have to find one. But we always try to, like, whether it's in monetary value or the thoughtfulness of the gift, we got to try to plan ahead. What are they going to do? Like, what is my spouse going to do? How do I match what they're going to do so that it's, like, equal? 
or maybe you're going to try to show them up. I don't know. But there's kind of this comparison. But here in verse 8, what does it say? That the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. This is from Deuteronomy. He's quoting from this book that his hearers would have known that faith at this time was harder because God was not near to them. And they didn't have access to Jesus like we do. They had a complicated system of temple and sacrifices and more that was how they operated and related to God. What does it say for us, though? We're thankfully, I'm thankful, we're not in that. It says that the gift is near to you. And I know when something is near, it's easier to obtain than when something is far. And this is what I want to illustrate this morning. So who here, who here wants a gift this morning, right? You came to church, you thought you were going to preach and receive, but I'm going to go on top of that. Who here wants a gift this morning? It's not a trick, it's actually a gift. Who wants a gift? Nobody wants a gift. Somebody better, somebody wants a gift here? Nobody. Who wants a, who wants a gift? Who? All right, he raised his hand way back there. All right. Nobody else wanted it. It's not a joke. It's really a gift I have for you. So if I give this gift, you, you really small thing you're going to have to do here. If I give this gift, what do you need to do? <laughs> so if I give this to him, what he needs to do to, to receive it, he would need to take it, right? All right. So he just needs to take it from me. That's what the receiver of the gift needs to do. Show, you want to pull it out? Show everybody what it is. All right. So, uh, yeah, it's a nice Tacoa beanie that I got here. You all were like hesitant. Nobody wanted this. And now I got your attention, right? You're like, is this like Oprah in here? What is he giving away next? I will use whatever is at my disposal to get your attention, right? You are glued now. You're like, my hand's ready. What is he going to do next? But that's true. If I give you a gift or somebody gives you a gift, they can't just, I mean, they could throw it at you, but if you don't take it, it's just going to bounce off and it's going to be ineffective. You have to take the gift. And the same is true with the gift that God gave to us through Jesus. We have to receive it. We have to take it. So how do we accept that gift? Let's look at the different parts of this passage. It says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All right, so it starts with confess with your mouth. So faith, the first part of this that we're talking about today is to confess. Matter of fact, here it says confess and believe. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself in my notes here. Um, And these confess and believe is the same order that comes from Deuteronomy that I just talked about, that his hearers, the Jewish people, would have been familiar with. And he uses that same order, right? He says confess with your mouth first and then believe in your heart, which for us is maybe a little bit opposite of what probably most of us would think, right? Faith usually starts with the belief first, and then we might respond by confessing it out loud. But often, sometimes if you grow up in it, it is the opposite, that you um, confess first, you grow up confessing, and then it takes over and it becomes a part of your heart. They're closely related, the inside and the outside. We need both for faith. We're going to get to both, but he starts with confess. It says, first it says, confess that Jesus is Lord. 
Confess just means to declare or to admit. It's not that complicated of a thing. And this is often done with words out loud. Um, Sometimes it's done even with the help of another Christian or in church. But it also can be done by yourself to God. But it's this confession out loud. So, okay, we've established confess. It's not that complicated. But what does it mean that Jesus is Lord? By saying that Jesus is Lord, we are saying that he is the master. He's the one that we choose to obey. It says that Jesus as well. It says that Jesus is God. And um, this is what it means to make him Lord. It's not a medieval kind of like ruling of like over the peasants of the medieval Lord there. But it's a confession that Jesus is our God, that he is God. And Jesus becomes the one who now tells us as well as a Christian how to live and what we should do in life. Yes, it means though a restored relationship with him. So the first part of faith is to confess that Jesus is Lord, that he is our God. The second part says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This goes deeper, right? It's not just lip service. I don't just say Jesus is Lord, but we need to actually believe it in our hearts, let it become us. It's a deep, holy, consuming confession and belief. And we see evidence in the next few verses of this. It says that... Um, we confess something specific. We confess that Jesus was raised from the dead. And you might think that's a little crazy. Yes, it is maybe a little bit. And that's why the specifics matter. Because Jesus was raised from the dead. And Christmas is at a time where this is really evident around us, right? The season is about Jesus, but you can show up to a church. You can put a Christmas tree in your house. You can do all these Christmassy things in faith as well. You could just come here. You could do lip service to it. But if you don't believe in your heart the very specific thing that Jesus was raised from the dead. Belief is accepting something as true. Now, Christians, we believe this. This is faith. Christians believe that God created the world and people as good. And then people decided they didn't want to have God as Lord anymore. They wanted to do things their own way. And this is what we call sin, a breaking of that relationship. And the effect of sin is death, disease, pain, and everything else that is bad in our world. The other effect is that when somebody dies, our relationship with God has been broken, and so that relationship is broken, and they need to be separated from God. If someone believes or accepts that Jesus died without sin, because he was perfect, he was God, he lived a perfect life, he died a death that he didn't deserve, and then he rose again to new life, if we believe this, we will be saved. And the belief is that if we accept this fact, God will allow us to be saved under the life, death, and resurrection that Jesus lived. 
But belief is accepting this as true. But belief also requires action. When someone confesses they are a Christian, when somebody believes in Jesus Christ, our actions are going to change as well. We're going to live a life based on our beliefs, and this means that we then begin to follow the instructions of God. It means that we live in a life that changes. It means that we love others as Jesus loved us, as he did, even sacrificing his life for others. We love God, we love others as a result of this new life we live. Therefore, it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We are a new creation if we choose to follow Jesus. Our past does not define us. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter what you walked into church with today. It doesn't matter any of that. What matters is the newness that you receive under what Christ did for us. And belief, it goes even further. Faith goes further. James, the brother of Jesus, says this, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? See, faith, it necessitates a response from us. It requires works. If we believe, our faith is going to cause us to act differently. If I believe that something bad is going to happen tomorrow and there's a way for me to avoid it, I would be a fool not to take a different route home if I thought there was going to be a car accident over there. Our belief requires change if we truly believe. If we don't change how we're going to act, we don't truly believe it's going to happen tomorrow. Faith requires that we act as a result. It says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is it, to confess and believe, and then you will be saved. Saved for eternity, yes, I mentioned that earlier, but we're saved in this life as well, and this is the beauty of the gospel. It's not just about getting to heaven, but it's about a restored relationship with God, and that affects all of our life here and for eternity. And God, we can experience his goodness now. We can experience the fact that he has given us a purpose and a calling in this life and so much more. God has saved you. So verse 10, he continues, and then he flips the order. He says, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and saves. And this is maybe how many of us think about this. We're going to first believe that this is true, that we believe in it, and then we're going to start to confess and say out loud this reality that we um, believe in now. And this is where you started. It doesn't matter the order. It doesn't matter whether you confess first and then it sinks into your heart and you believe it, or it starts in your heart and then it works its way out through your mouth. But both the internal and the external are changed if we put our faith, our true faith, in Jesus. It says this in verse 11. He says, For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. I love this because what this says is that it's open to everyone. Right? Everyone who believes in him. It doesn't say, you know, if you're a Jewish person and you put your faith in him, if you are this or that. It doesn't matter. It says everyone. It doesn't matter 
you know, only people that didn't, you know, do this type of sin can put their faith in him. No, everybody who believes. And it's time to stop for a minute in case you were counting yourself out. It says it's open to everyone. Doesn't matter your past, doesn't matter your history, doesn't matter the bad things you may have done, doesn't matter how recent those things were, how you walked in these doors today. It matters instead what Jesus did with his life, his death, and his resurrection. That faith is what matters. He goes a little bit further. He says, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord who is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right? There is the same God for the entire world. Not that we all believe the same thing in the world. He just got done saying, matter of fact, that it's critically important that we confess something specific, that Jesus was raised from the dead and that he is Lord, he is God. That has to be the belief, but that belief is open to all. Whoever comes to faith, it doesn't matter their background. It doesn't matter if you are Jewish or not. It doesn't matter if your background is Hindu or Buddhist or Muslim or atheist or agnostic or something, I don't know, anything else. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter if you're American, German, Cambodian, Nigerian, or any other ethnic or political entity that we've created in this world. In Christ, we are all saved and there is no distinction in the salvation that we receive. No distinction in the riches that will be bestowed on us. In fact, it leads back to the opening verse where he says, brothers, and, and see in Christ we're now brothers and sisters. We're all one family. Doesn't matter your family of origin, we become family in Jesus. And now you are my family, and I'm your family, you're stuck with me, we're all family in him. And so I want to stop. You know, we're getting more towards the end, but we're not there yet. But I want to stop before we go any further. Now is your chance. If you haven't chosen to follow Jesus yet, you can choose that now. If you have chosen to follow him in your past, you can reaffirm that now. And I'm going to pray a prayer of following him. It's a chance for you to express faith for the first time or recommit to it. It's a chance for you to confess and believe. And if you want to follow Jesus, like I said, that is open to all. It doesn't matter anything about you or your past. It's given to all. And so if you want to choose that for the first time today or recommit to that church, I would invite you, would everybody pray with me right now? Jesus, I want to follow you. I confess that I'm not perfect. I confess that I need you, Jesus, and I confess you as Lord. I believe you lived a perfect life. I believe you died and rose to new life for me. Jesus, I put my faith in you. Amen. 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 And this, this is the basis of faith. Just that simple confess and believe. But like I said, it changes us. Whether you just did that belief and confession for the very first time today, or you've been doing it your whole life, 
there's more that Paul says in this passage of Romans, right? It's confess and believe, but there's more. He says, confess, believe, and share. Remember I said belief requires action. It demands action. If we truly believe, we will act. And this is our action that Paul says about our faith. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is? is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How will others become the brothers and sisters that Paul talked about at the beginning? How will they be saved? How will they believe? How will others experience this? They need to hear. And it's the 21st century. This has a wider range of possibilities than it had for them at the time that this was written. For these people, literally, word of mouth and hearing was the only way for them to experience this, and the only way for them to come to understand. For us today, we use so many different methods, right? We use whatever we can. We use Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We do events to serve our city. We do our Sunday services here. We do one-on-one conversations, and you guys participate in all of these as well. And these are ways that we share the good news, and we all have a responsibility to share. And even those methods, God can work in miraculous ways to share the gospel. But the number one way that he works to share is through one-on-one personal invitation. I want to talk about that for a minute. Yes, um, it's helpful when you share what we're doing on, online on Facebook, Instagram. That's great, and that does expand the impact of what God is doing. But number one, personal invitation is the number one way that God works to invite people into his family. When you grab a coffee or a drink with somebody and you share what God is doing in your life and how he might help them in that situation, when you personally send a text or invite them to church verbally, this is how God works. And we are all to participate in this in all forms. It's not just 2021 where online only COVID, like we're now re-emerging right from online only. And um, we actually have some invites that you can grab on your way out, and they're great to carry around with you because this is the season where this is the topic of conversation, right? The topic is Christmas. The topic is Jesus, even if people don't use that word, and you might not even have to use that word to start. Um, But this is the season. You're going to naturally have conversations on the topic of Christmas. I've done this before. I've done it Um, at the dentist, right? I'm stuck there. They're stuck listening to me, and it's like, what are you doing for this season? I'll tell you what I'm doing. Um, My church, like, decorates. They go all out. They've got this uh, uh, picture station set up with this beautiful fireplace, um, and we sing Christmas carols, and it's awesome. I love it, and, you know, it's not awkward because, right? It's the season. It's what we're doing. It's Christmas. I'm just sharing what I'm doing about Christmas, about for Christmas, for the season. I love it because, you know what, yes, I do a lot of shopping online, but we're stuck in line more places. Things are just busier, and, you know, people around you, it's what are you doing, or the cashier, what are you doing this holiday season? 
It's just in our conversation. It's in our nature. When we meet up with a friend and we're grabbing coffee, it's like, hey, what are you doing this holiday season? Well, I'll tell you what my church is doing. It's really cool. That's not an awkward segue. It's super. Matter of fact, it would almost be awkward not to share about it if, you're, if this is important to you. And this is the beautiful part of this holidays. Um, but I'll tell you, when you start looking for these opportunities, saying, okay, God, I've believed, I've confessed, and now I know that I'm supposed to do this, I'm supposed to share, I know it's a little difficult, but when you just start looking for it, when you start praying for it and asking for those opportunities some, it's amazing what God will do to give you those opportunities. I was literally writing this message on um, Wednesday morning. I was like, what day was it? It was Wednesday morning, and I was sitting in a coffee shop. I was writing it, and I was thinking, you know, I do this already, but God, I, I pray for even more opportunities. And I sat there for a minute. I stopped writing, and I was just praying for opportunities, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go about my day. An hour and a half later, I was at the park getting some exercise with some of the guys, and I, they asked me, what are you doing for Christmas this season? I'm like, all right, God, I just prayed for the opportunity. Literally an hour and a half later, I didn't even need to bring it up. He actually said, what is your church doing this season for Christmas? And I thought, this is what it is about. It's not awkward. It's not complicated. I just get to share an invite of this is what we're doing for Christmas in the season. And I'll tell you what Paul says about those who share the good news. It says, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, though, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So, if I didn't say this, it's on me as the pastor, the preacher, right? But I'm fulfilling it right now. I'm sending you guys. How are they going to go if they're not sent? Well, I'm sending you out into the world. And if I don't send, how will you preach? But it is a beautiful thing when you get to share the good news. And I want you to realize that because it's not this burden that, oh, well, I do believe and I confess and now the pastor told me this is what I got to go do. Um, and I guess if I, I, I do really believe, so maybe I'll, maybe I'll go do it. No, it's not supposed to be a burden. What I've realized, and I had to learn this lesson the hard way by not getting to do ministry for a while for a season, is that getting to do ministry and work in other people's lives is a blessing and not a burden. Because God it's all powerful. He created the world. He doesn't need to use us. He has chosen to use our uh, people and humanity. It's one of the things our, our team realizes. It's why people show up here at 6.30 in the morning to help set up this space in this room and decorate and pour into the kids and, ev- and everything else because we realize and the team realizes that it's more beautiful to be the feet of the ones that are going out, that it's a privilege, it's a blessing to be a part of the work. Why? Because we get to be a part of it. Let me say it this way a little bit differently. Yes, it is fun to go to the football game and sit in the stands and watch your team win the game. That's fun. It's fun to cheer them on. But being a part of the winning team is even more exciting, right? If you were actually on that team, it doesn't even matter. If you're sitting on the bench, just being a part of the team is better. And some of you are there. Maybe um, even you help at church, you serve on our team, um, and there's power in that. There's joy in that when the team wins. We get to celebrate together the wins that different people on the team have. But the best thing is to be a part of the winning play, right? 
to make the block, to throw the ball, to call the play, to be the one that throws it and is a part of what happens to make the point that wins the game. That is beautiful. That is something that is exciting. And being a part of the team is better than sitting in the stands, but being a part of the play is even better. And that's what I want to do today. I want to invite you guys into that. Not to put a burden on you, but to say, hey, how can we equip you to be a part of the play and be a part of something beautiful that God could do? And so today you're going to have a chance to respond. Will you choose to live out your faith, to not just confess and believe, but also to share? This is true faith. It changes us in how we live. It it causes us to want to share because we've experienced the joy, the goodness of God, and we want others to experience that goodness as well. And it calls us to share with the world around us. I want to invite you into this, and I want to partner with you. We're going to sing a song called Oceans here. The team's going to come back up, and it talks about faith. It's written from Matthew 14, where Peter, one of those following Jesus— goes out onto the water and walks on the water because of his incredible faith. Now, it doesn't go perfectly. He falls into the water eventually. But his faith saw him walk on the water. Everybody else just sat in the boat watching the play happen. He was a part of it because of his faith. That is inspiring faith. And our faith starts with the three components that I mentioned today. It's confess, it's believe, and then it's share But faith will allow us to do incredible things. Things that if you are committed to that kind of faith or want Jesus to build that kind of faith in you so you could do more, I want to invite you to sing this out with us today. Also during this song, I want to give you a chance to respond. And I want to ask you to respond in a specific way. I want to invite you to pray about who could you share with And pray that God would give you impromptu opportunities in line at the doctor, whatever it might be as well. But who could you specifically invite? Who could you specifically share with and pray for? I want to invite you during this song to go ahead and put that on the Tekoa card. You can find that um, on our website. It's digital. You can pull out your phone during worship. It's okay. Pull it out. TekoaChurch.org. Connect. And right there on the Tekoa card, Um, there's a section for notes. And I want to invite you to put on there, who are you praying for? Who has God put on your mind during this time? Because we want to partner with you. I personally want to partner with you. I want to be praying for all of those names alongside of you. This is something we do together as a church. And I want to be praying for those people that they would respond with a yes, that I will come to church. I will get to hear the gospel preached. I will get to hear what it means to come to faith, and then we can celebrate together that they came. And we want to pray with you. Let's do that together. So I hope you'll let us know so that we can celebrate together, that we can pray together, and let's live out our faith together this holiday season. So would you sing together with us that God would build your faith, that you'd have that faith to step out, to maybe share that invite or that ask when it seems scary. And we'll pray together that those people would respond because we want more people in our family. We want more people to experience the goodness of what God has done for us. Thank you for joining us on the Tekoa Church podcast. 
I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and let God do the work only he can do. We hope it helped you wherever you are at in your faith journey. We want to connect with you if you're going through something difficult or looking to be a part of our church community. Fill out the Tacoa card on our Connect page, tacoachurch.org slash connect. While there, you can also see the most up-to-date information in the life of our church. A special thank you to those of you who give to Tacoa. Your sacrifice makes this podcast and our Sunday gatherings possible, as well as creates life change throughout the world. You can be a part of this by going to tacoachurch.org slash giving. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Until next time, blessings.